is now. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these last days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scripture to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord had risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he he had been made known to them in the breaking of their bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that we can be together even virtually in this time of this pandemic. Lord, I pray this morning that we be encouraged that you are not only with us, but you desire each and every one of us to know you, to be connected to you, and to connect it to others. Lord, help us to live that out this week. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So this Sunday is normally our youth Sunday, and this year my wife and I came up with an idea to have it be family Sunday. But then, as you know, COVID-19 kind of changed things. And so in our best attempt, we've uh, done a little virtual uh, uh, liturgy for the people. So you've seen some families, an elementary uh, school kid, a middle school kid, and during the prayers of the people, you'll see a high school kid that'll uh, be part of worship today. 
We're glad you're watching at home and you're with us this morning and uh, from abroad. We know we've had people that have tuned in from many different places. So if there's one thing this pandemic has taught me is that I have a strong desire to be connected with people. I'm hungry for this connection. The other day I was walking in my neighborhood and I saw a neighbor and he had a friend with him and he introduced me to the friend and the friend stuck out his hand to shake my hand and without each of us thinking, we shook hands and then we jumped back and we're like, oh, you know, we got the hand sanitizer. Craziness, huh? But I got to be honest, it felt good to shake somebody's hand. See, I have that strong desire for connection with people. Lately, a group of my high school friends and I that we've uh, reconnected with over the last several years have been getting together weekly for a Zoom meeting, catching up on old times, and it's been incredible, a great opportunity to relive some of our past and to talk about our hopes and dreams in the future and how we're doing each week. And more recently, I've noticed my need for connection because my cell phone was disconnected. You see, in November, I signed up for Spectrum, and Verizon never unported or deported me from their port, whatever that means, okay? And so I kept getting bills from Verizon. I called them on Wednesday, so they finally deported me, but then Spectrum never imported me, so now I'm a man without a land. I'm stuck between Verizon and Spectrum, and my cell phone is somewhere out in the, uh, I don't know, some out in virtual land, and so they finally gave me a, a new cell phone, but during those times of hours and hours on the phone with Verizon and Spectrum people, I got to know these people because they too, like me, were hungry for connection. One of the representatives, she's pregnant, and she's very nervous about having a baby during the time of corona. I assured her that it would probably be okay. I'd know of other babies that have been born. Then another guy was telling me his whole desire in life was to work at home. But now that COVID-19 has happened, he's realizing he misses that connection with people. See, when you're on the line with an hour with people, you start to get to know their stories. They too have this desire for connection. And I know that you all, even the most introverted of all of you, have a desire to be connected with others. That's why we're seeing these rise in Zoom meetings. We're seeing more and more people on social media connecting with old friends and with family. My wife the other day took a live online exercise class with friends. Hey, when the gyms aren't open, I guess it's the best thing to do, right? And as our physical worlds have shrunk, with many of us not being able to go to our jobs, we become more connected with our neighbors, maybe neighbors we've never known as we go out to walk the dog and we're walking around. See, our worlds have shrunk in some ways. And we have this desire, you and I, I know it, for a connection with others. Well, the good news for all of us this morning, as we face this worldwide pandemic together, historically, during times like this, the body of Christ, the church, through crises such as plagues, wars, times of persecution, this body of Christ, the church, has come together it has rediscovered its footing and the firm foundation they have in their connection with Christ. And through this connection, they've been able to be not only a blessing to each other as they're going through struggles, but to the world, to their neighbors, to the people around them. So today, as we look at Peter's uh, first letter, he is writing this letter to a church that is struggling, a church that is going through times of persecution. And he is telling them about their connection that they have to Christ and not to forget that and how they can live that out and apply that in their world. And we're going to see how that relates to us. But first, let's take a step back. 
Throughout the Bible, we have these themes of disconnection and connection. It all started back in the garden. When Adam and Eve, who had this beautiful connection with God as they walked with God through the garden, decided, you know what? They wanted to take life in their own hands. They wanted to be the author of their lives. They wanted to be the I, the one that was in control. And they said no to God. And that's where it all started. Things started spiraling downward. They pushed God away. And throughout Genesis and the Old Testament, we see this brokenness. We see relationships that that have gone awry. We see wars. We see the worship of idols, of men and women create things to worship, but they don't work. They just make them more selfish. They make them more discontent. But in all of those stories of brokenness, we see the hope of connection. We see Jacob and Esau embracing, even though their relationship still is fractured. We see Joseph and his brothers when their relationships were restored. We see glimmers of hope through the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, God comes and dwells among us in the person of Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and lived among us. And Jesus took care of this sin problem once and for all by nailing it to the cross. And he didn't leave it there. He rose again and he appeared to his disciples. And to this day, millions and billions of people who followed Christ have found that connection in Christ with their disconnected and broken lives. They found hope to be restored from the sin in their lives. So as Peter writes this letter, he was somebody who understood deeply what the cross meant. You see, he was one of Jesus' followers, one of his closest disciples, his friends. And when Jesus needed him the most at his darkest hour, Peter denied him not once, not twice, but three times said, I don't know who he is. And he took off, went running. When the going get tough, Peter ran away. So then he meets the risen Jesus when he's fishing on a boat. He jumps off the boat and swims to Jesus. And there Jesus, you got to love this, on the beach has a barbecue with fish. He's waiting for Jesus with his breakfast. And he restores Peter. Peter understands right there that he is forgiven. He is redeemed. See, Peter's original name was Simon. And before all this denial and all his mess-ups, Jesus had nicknamed him, or actually not nicknamed him, called him Simon Peter. And Peter means rock. After Peter had denied Jesus, he felt anything but a rock. He felt fractured and adrift. But as he had this breakfast and Jesus talked with him, he was restored, he was renewed. And now he was able to live out his calling, not because he was able to patch his life back together through his own strength, but he realized that Christ did this on the cross, that he had restored him, brought him back to new. And now he could live out this vision of being the rock that would build the church to help broken people find their hope, their purpose, that in Christ he brings all things together. So he begins his mission. And as he writes this first letter, he's writing to a people, as I mentioned earlier, that are very broken. You see, these are uh, Gentile believers in Christ. They were Roman citizens. But as Roman citizens, they were supposed to offer up incense to the Roman rulers. And some of the Roman rulers, especially when he wrote this letter, Nero wanted to be worshipped as a god. And because they said no to this, they were persecuted. 
And it started with their businesses where they were pushed away. They didn't have a place in society. They didn't have a seat like in the county seat, so to speak. They didn't have places in government. They had no voice. They were marginalized. They were in the cracks. They were struggling. And now that Nero was in the uh, ruler, it was just starting out in the beginning of his rule that people were getting murdered for their faith because they wouldn't worship him. So they were a struggling church. So Peter wants to remind them during the struggle the security, the connection they have in Christ. He begins his letter, and Greg touched on this a little bit last week in 1 Peter. It says, Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He starts off the letter and says, you have a living hope. It's not like, you know what, it's terrible, but you're going to die, and one day you'll get to heaven, and everything's going to be beautiful. He said, no, you have hope right now, even when you're feeling marginalized and persecuted and going through this tough time. And then in our reading today, he goes on and tells them, he said, if you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. In other words, stay connected now during this time where you're separated, where you're pushed to the margins. Don't just complain and say, woe is me, this is awful. Connect more deeply to Christ. Live this out. Now is not the time for sloppy living, as Eugene Peterson translated these verses. Now is the time to be connected to Christ in a deep way. He gives you a living hope. A friend of mine is a Presbyterian minister, and he uses our same lectionary for sermons, and he's preaching on the same passage today. And he was saying, if there was ever a verse that fit our society right now, it is the one that says, to live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. No, we're not persecuted like they are about losing our lives, but all of us have had to take an exile from our normal lives, even those who are still going to work. Things are not the same. Some of us are struggling, struggling greatly economically, socially, as we're disconnected. I have friends who are single that don't have families in their house. It's difficult. I have friends like myself who have families in their house, and it's difficult because they're around each other so much, right? We've exited from our normal lives. It's difficult. But during this time, Peter's encouraging that early church, and he's encouraging you and I, now is the time in your exile to live in reverent fear, to be connected deeply to Christ. And then he encourages us and encourages this church to live this connection out in a very practical but difficult way. Peter writes, Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. Love deeply. What does this mean? Love deeply, first of all, it means that we can't do that on our own because we know that all of us, even the best of us, are imperfect lovers. But but when we are connected to the God who loves us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to do this. And this is the kind of love that doesn't just use people to get things. Matter of fact, that's not love at all. That's just using people. This is the love that sticks with people, that endures with people, through the good times, through the bad times. It's a love that lasts. 
That's the kind of love that Peter was telling these early Christians who were struggling to love each other deeply. And he extended it to even those people that were persecuting them, that they were to submit themselves to them. They were to work on getting along, to not be somebody that was being obstinate, but to show their love not only to each other, but to those who were outside the faith, to love each other deeply. So this love that uh, Peter is talking about, it extends, as I said, to other people. And it always leads to a connection with other people. If you are connected with God, you're going to be connected with other people. There's no such thing as a Christian who just loves God but hates people. It doesn't exist. That's not the way you and I were designed. Love each other deeply. I know that seems difficult, but now more than ever, as people are so disconnected, and some of our friends and family and people uh, we've, we've read about and people we don't even know are very broken, they need that connection. How do we make this last, this connection? Because like a lot of things, I've had friends who've been very religious or have had a faith at one time, and as life and business got to buy, they've kind of pushed it away. And even relationships in our very transient society, we move We lose touch with people. They become part of chapters of our life. But how do we have a connection that endures? What Peter wants to remind people is, first of all, you have a connection that endures, and it starts with your connection to God through Christ. He says that we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We are born anew, not of a perishable, but of an imperishable seed through the living, enduring word of God. God's word to us is that when we put faith in him, we have everlasting life. Things in this world, they fall apart at times. Relationships can become broken. But a faith in Christ is that one connection that not only lasts for today, but lasts forever. It says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. We have hope. We have connection when we submit our lives to Christ. We have connection when we love other people deeply because that's the DNA of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we have connection when we know where we're going. See, we have this promised land for all of us who believe. It begins now as we share with people the kingdom values of love, joy, peace, patience, all those fruits of the Spirit but we have the hope in that we know where we're going. You know, in the prayers of the people, uh, one of the parts that I picked up that Greg always uses in prayers of the people is he thanks God for the constancy in our lives. As I said before, Jesus Christ is that constant in our lives. He's the one that brings us connection initially to other people and forever. So I don't know where you are right now, Obviously, we're all dealing with the pandemic right now, some of us in very uh, dramatic ways. I just found out that my first cousin was diagnosed a few days ago and is really struggling. But for many of us, we feel broken, perhaps. Perhaps we feel like whatever we'd put our hope in maybe has fallen apart or maybe things are getting a little fuzzy. If anything, not, we feel really bad for some neighbors who are going through difficult time, even if we may feel like we have things all together. So this morning, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't have the connection, humble yourself just like Peter did. 
humble yourself and say, I can't do life on my own. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Come into my life, Lord. Only you can take my brokenness and fragmented pieces and put me back together again. The writer of Hebrews says, the sun is the gleaming brightness of God's glory. He is the exact likeness of God's being. He uses his powerful world to hold all things together. And in Colossians, uh, the apostle Paul writes, he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is talking about Jesus. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Only through Jesus can we have this ultimate connection. And it's a very personal call for each and every one of us. The prophet Isaiah says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by by name. You are mine. That is the message to each and every one of you. Will you live into that calling? Will you recognize that the Lord wants to adopt you into his family? He wants you to have that kind of connection. If you're a believer this morning, there is no time for sloppy living. Now is the time more than ever to be deeply connected to God because he is the one that is going to help us to love each other deeply. Recently, um, I mentioned I was getting together with some uh, old high school friends on Zoom, and it's been an incredible blessing. We all come from different places in life and work and even our faiths. But we've had a great chance to, no topic is out of bounds with us. We've been talking about everything. The one thing about this group is each of us loves each other deeply. We've known each other since we've been teenagers, some of them even longer than that. The other day, because they know I'm a minister, one of my friends asked me to end our 12 o'clock meeting in prayer. See, we've learned to love each other deeply. As a family here at St. Luke's, we're called to that same thing, to love each other deeply, not to be complaining during this time of exile. If you remember Exodus and the story of Moses, what did they do after they were freed from their slavery? They started complaining and bickering. They wanted to create their own gods. Moses was constantly having to try to get them back on the right path. Now is a time for us to be focused to have that strong connection so we can love each other. The world needs us to do this. We have a connection that lasts, and everyone is invited into that. Everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. So I want to leave us with a few thoughts. N.T. Wright was talking about, he's a theologian, was talking about Easter. He said, the task of the church is to live as resurrection people in between Easter and the final day as a sign of the first and a foretaste of the second. In other words, Christ is alive. We should be people of hope, no matter what is going on around us. We have the body of believers to lift us up. With this message of hope, we have good news for everybody. Years ago, one of my friends, he's a pastor here on the island, was at a festival, and he was sitting on a lawn chair with his friends, and this guy came up from him. The guy looked miserable, and he handed him this religious track on how to become a Christian. He's like, here you go. And my friend was like, okay. You know, he didn't really even want to engage, and the guy walked away very quickly, quickly, and he was thinking to myself, wow. He goes, you know, I am a believer, but, man, if I wasn't, I would never want to read this. His face didn't show the good news that was in this thing. 
See, our lives are called to match the good news, the hope, the connection we have in Christ. The second thing as believers is that we can think about as we leave here today is that as believers, we don't pretend like everything is okay. When Peter wrote to that group of Christians who were being persecuted, he didn't deny they were going through problems. He didn't say, just walk around with a big smile on your face, even if someone's whacking you upside the head. No, he was just giving them hope. He was telling about the future they had in Christ, what to do now and each and every day, how to live their lives. Theologian Karl Barth, Barth said this. He said, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, both, okay? But interpret the newspaper from your Bible. Now it's our cell phone, right? Not our uh, newspaper. Some of us still read the newspaper. But the whole idea is that the gospel is the lens that we see the world. So often we get that backwards. We put our politics, we put our relationships, we even put the pandemic before the gospel as opposed to looking at the gospel the way we view everything. As the church, we have an ethical responsibility to love people, to even love our enemies, to pray for our enemies. These weren't just suggestions. These were the words of Jesus. And during times of trial, to find ways that we can lift other people up to connect people to the good news through our faith and through our deeds, the way we act, the way we show that we have this hope. I want to conclude with that verse from the beginning of Peter because it's a great reminder for us during this Easter season. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Be connected to God today. Love each other deeply. This connection with God lasts forever. Humble yourself today. You can't do life on your own. You need that connection. Let us pray. Lord, all of us have been impacted by what's going on in the world right now in different ways. But we do thank you for the constancy in our lives. We thank you for the living hope that is found in you on this side of heaven. And we thank you for the future we have for all believers for the real hope of eternal life. Help us this week to love each other deeply, to see the world through your lens, and during this challenging time, to not be complainers, but be people who build each other up because of the hope we have. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.